1: we continue our study of the book of Jude with verses 14 through 16. Jude is a direct warning for the church of the New Testament, as well as today's church, of ungodly people exerting their influence so as to do harm within the congregation. Please listen to Associate Pastor Scott Basolo as he delivers today's slice of this week's message entitled, What of these ungodly? And there are five different identifications of who these certain persons are. And the first identification of who they are is grumblers. Grumblers. The Greek word is an onomatopoetic word. Onomatopoetic means a word whose sound conveys its meaning. Onomatopoetic is a fun word to say, unless you're trying to say it in the pulpit, which you, it gets stumbled over about every time I say it. But it is an important word because the sound of the word conveys the meaning. There's a unique connection between the source language and the target language English. We see this in Hebrew with the word kats, kats. It means to cut. You hear that in the sound? Kats, To cut. So also here in our Greek word, it is gagousmas. Can you hear the grumbling in that? Gagousmas, gagousmas, gagousmas. It's one who expresses their dissatisfaction by murmuring and grumbling rather than following the biblical admonition to be reconciled and directly address issues. These just sit back and complain. They murmur to others, causing strife and dissension and factions in the church. John seven twelve well portrays this situation as they speak about Jesus. It says, there was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. Some were saying he's a good man, but others were saying, no, on the contrary, he leads people astray. Can you hear it? Gaguzmas, gaguzmas, gaguzmas. No, don't follow him. He's, he's purporting lies. He's just a man. He's from Nazareth. No, gogusmas, kagosmas. No, it is this murmuring that is ongoing. It is this false proclamation and these dissatisfaction. We also see a prohibition against grumbling in 1 Peter 4.9. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, without gogusmas. What an important reminder the holiday season, as friends and family come in, as we host home groups, and we're, oh, goose moss, goose moss, I don't want to, drive. if I vacuum this carpet one more, goose moss, goose moss, goose <laughs> Yes, I do the vacuuming in our house. The second identification of who they are in verse 16 is that they are fault finders. Fault finders. The word also translated as malcontents or complainers. One who is constantly dissatisfied. Principally, this dissatisfaction is with their lot in life and with God's will in that respect. Practically, this works itself out in the church by complaining against God's chosen leaders and their actions. These are the ones who find a bone in every piece of fish. And no matter how sweet that fish is and how well prepared, they just want to complain about that bone. Things are going well in most of the church, but there's that one thing that bugs them and so they're going to complain and they're going to grumble and they're going to moan and they're going to cause dissensions and division. It cannot be. The third description takes us to the why. That is why they are so defined. And the first Why, of why they are so defined, is because they are following after their own lusts. Following after their own lusts. This phrase indicates a self-directed plan of action, which is in accord with one's sinful desires. Rather than obedience to God's word, they are self-deceived by their sin and craving. They have deluded themselves into thinking that their lusts and passions are what they deserve and what they should have. And so, because of their unmet sinful expectations, they complain against the godly actions others are pursuing within the church and as they pursue Christ. And this is all from dissatisfaction with their sinful expectations. And this, beloved, is the same condition for every addict and every addiction. They cannot and they will not ever satisfy. And those so enslaved pursue ever greater satisfaction in that which cannot provide fulfillment. I need a stronger or I need more cigarettes. I need a stronger drug or alcohol. I need a bigger shopping spree a more extravagant meal, a more extreme passionate pursuit. Commentator Alfred Plummer notes, men who walk after their lusts and shape their course in accordance with these cannot be contented for the means of gratifying the lusts are not always present and the lusts themselves are insatiable even when gratification is possible It is only temporary. The unruly desires are certain to revive and clamor once more for satisfaction. This is the horror of those following after their own lusts. The next why in verse 16 is their mouths are speaking arrogantly. Or as the ESV states, they are loud mouth boasters. I love that phrase. John MacArthur notes, they speak pompously and even magnificently, but with empty, lifeless words of no spiritual value. The word translated arrogantly means swelling words or big talk. These are, as Hebert notes, focusing attention on their bombastic public utterances that are like verses 4 and 8, repudiating God's divine authority in their lives. Fifth in our list is that they are flattering people for the sake of gain. Rather than exalting God as above all, they are denying him and instead exalting themselves and people. And they are doing so so that they may gain advantage. These men set themselves up as authorities and rather than proclaiming God's moral law, they set that aside to endear the others to themselves so that they can take advantage of the generosity of some to support their own livelihood. And this isn't exclusively in teaching. These show, as one commentator notes, warm interest in others to help them, but only so as they might exploit them. These are the charlatans who deceive the church, the savage wolves seeking only to devour No greater scriptural example exists other than Judas Iscariot, grumbler, fault finder, pursuing his own lusts, speaking arrogantly, flattering for gain. Listen to John 12 verses 4 to 6. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Now, he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box. He used to pilfer what was put into it. Every one of these five attributes fulfilled in Judas in this one scene. Grumbler, fault finder. why was that perfume sold? Why was that, all that money wasted? The, the grumbler and fault finder, the lustful. He was a thief. And he's pursuing his own thievery to satisfy his own lusts. Arrogant speech, as if to win the others over and to condemn the Savior and the act of this woman anointing him for burial, for which she was to continually be acknowledged. Flattering for gain. This is why he brought this forward for his own personal increase. Spurgeon says of Judas. The murder of our blessed Lord was the extreme of human guilt. It developed the deadly hatred against God which lurks in the heart of man. When man became a deicide, sin had reached its fullness. And in the black deed of the man by whom the Lord was betrayed, that fullness was all displayed. My brethren, we should feel a deep detestation of the master of infamy. He has gone to his own place, and the anathema of David, part of which was quoted by Peter, has come upon him. When he shall be judged, let him be condemned, and let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few, and let another take his office." This is vile indeed to be chosen to such a position, to be installed purse bearer to the king of kings, chancellor of God's exchequer, and then to turn aside and sell the Savior. This is treason in its uttermost degree. End quote. And it is here that we see such an expression of ungodliness. And yet, what is ungodliness? The word in itself is an opposite, or or what grammarians call an alpha privative. That is where an A is added to the front of the word to show that its meaning now is the exact opposite. We know it from words such as amoral. To be moral is to act morally, to live rightly. To be amoral is to live completely without any moral standard. The word agnostic, gnostic meaning to have knowledge, and agnostic, one without knowledge. The word atheist, a theist, one who would seek after an understanding of God, and atheist, one who is in complete denial of God. And so here with our word ungodly, the Greek word is usabeia, which is defined as a life of reverence toward God and pursuing piety.